CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us, as we always are. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events from a biblical perspective, what we hear in church, is it in the Bible at all? If you've been reading your Bible, and we pray and hope that you have, you come across something you don't understand, or someone's asked you a question, and you want to give them a good answer, well, hey, that's why we're here, and it's a toll-free number. You can call it. we got some lines open, 8888-ASK-CSN. And so if you call right now, you're sure to get in joining me, um, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church, and also we have him on... After to every man and answer, we want to just welcome you and so glad that you're here, uh, with, uh, with, um, all, all your staff. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Good to be with you, Mike. And uh, looking forward to a great show. I believe we're going to get some good questions and so much happening out there that we could talk about. Just, oh, I know. You know I'll just throw, I'll just throw it in now. I went ahead and saw the Jesus revolution. That's one thing that uh, everybody ought to go see and you ought to take your lost Loved ones, friends, in-laws, outlaws, take them all. And, um, to see it because it's, it's very well produced. Uh, the acting, very good. Um, Kelsey Grammer of Cheers fame knocked it right out of the park, did a great job. And, um, boy, it was just, I walked away with just feeling good. How often do you walk away from a movie these days feeling edified, feeling good? Uh, not often. Uh, so it was, it was really good to see. We saw it Monday. I know you saw it before that, but again, it's, uh, it's broken all records, $15 million first opening weekend. They were expecting 7 million. And as you and I were talking about, Mike, um, before the show, Hollywood is scratching their head all perplexed about well, why in the world would something about Jesus do so well? And isn't it sad that <laughs> they don't get it? That they, they should, they should be looking at this and go, okay. Uh, this is a, a, this is a moment to learn. This is what the American public wants to see more of. But it was a great movie. And, uh, I know you were edified as well by it, Mike. Yeah. It's really neat to watch a movie and not feel like you have to go take a shower after you're done. Yeah. That's right. You know, because it was so, so, uh, you know, just left you with a yucky feeling. You're trying to, you know, shower it off or something. You know, again, um, you're right. Hollywood was taken back by this. Shows you how out of touch Hollywood really is with not only uh, American Christians, but in America in general. And um, I believe uh, when you look at this, we begin to get, understand just how contrary um, to the Spirit of God that we find in, in the media, whether it be through movies, TV, news, whatever it is, uh, it is really a, a tragedy. Now, again, Jesus said, not all that say, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I believe there's another movie coming out here this next couple of weeks. Jeff, tell us about it. Well, it's coming. It's, it's called uh, Come Out in Jesus' Name. And 
that's one that I personally would not recommend seeing because I think it is built, uh, produced and written based on false doctrine, uh, false teaching that uh, Christians need to head down to uh, a deliverance minister if they're in a battle they can't seem to win or something is just plaguing them and maybe it's fear, maybe it's uh, some habit they can't break. Uh, well, it could be, according to this uh, movie, they have a demon and they need to have the demon cast out. And my position on this, Mike, is you can't show me or anyone, it's not there in any of the New Testament, a post-Pentecost, spirit-filled, born-again believer having a devil cast out of them. It's just not there. And uh, so the Bible being our instruction manual for living and uh, our standard of truth and where we go to for ultimate authority when it comes to all things regarding truth and doctrine and lifestyle, uh, the Bible doesn't teach it. The Bible teaches instead we are to resist the devil as Christians and he will flee from us. The idea being he's attacking us from the outside, maybe in our minds, maybe however he's perhaps tempting us or, uh, you know, we're experiencing some kind of um, confusion about doctrine or uh, uh, whatever it may be, that he attacks us from without and we resist him firm in the faith and he flees from us. It doesn't say he <clears throat> doesn't say he comes out of you, it says he flees from you. And uh, so, you know, verses like that give us a whole different uh, idea about what coming to Christ really did for anybody. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. All is become new. There's no teaching from Christ or from the apostles nowhere in any of the New Testament that uh, a Christian may be actually dealing with a demon and you need to go get it cast out. No. And a lot of times, Mike, and we've talked about this, the the propagators of this particular uh, doctrine will often address a so-called demon spirit with, you know, spirit of lust, spirit of fear, spirit of nicotine, spirit of alcohol, spirit of anger. And they'll, they'll call those things a demon or, a, you know, say that those are demons. Uh, but that is not what the New Testament shows us in Galatians 5. All of those things are works of the flesh that we are to learn to crucify by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So it's it's another movie coming on the heels of this one. I don't expect at all that it will do what this one has done. But just because I, I feel like that doctrine is so damaging, it, it's just, you know, here's a new believer. Let's say they're trying to overcome a habit, whatever the habit may be. They can't seem to get a handle on it. Uh, they're, they're falling and skinning their knee like a new, new baby would do. And, um, then they're told, well, you, you have a demon inside of you. You need to go get it cast out. Well, from there on out, every time you have a major struggle, uh, with all kinds of different things, your first default reaction is going to be, well, it must be a demon. I need to go again to the deliverance minister. But in, in, in the New Testament, starting with the book of Acts and forward through all the epistles and then in the gospels. We don't see a deliverance minister. It's not there. And when demons are coming out of people, they're coming out of people who are in the process of turning to Christ. So very important distinction to make. And so there you go. 
uh, Jesus uh, Revolution, uh, run, go see it. It's great. The other one, ah, I can't recommend it. Can you, Mike? No, no. But I, I, I the uh, Jesus Revolution is one that we can, and uh, I think you really, really enjoy that. It is not a docudrama. It is actually a life story, uh, like you'd watch anything. And again, Kelsey Grammer does such a great job uh, in it. Uh, the guy that portrays Jesus in The Chosen is the guy that um, is the actor for uh, Lonnie Frisbee, an evangelist that was at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa uh, in the early days. And he does a great job. So anyway, good, good, good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have James on the line, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hey, good day. How may we help? Yes. I had a uh, question on um, about God, you know, putting us a more on a person, what they can stand. And I've been through the ringer in life. Um, early 20s, I was hit, hit on a motorcycle. Uh, suffered abuse as a child from a couple of brothers, one psychological torture, uh, waterboarding, and, uh, and uh, then uh, physical, other physical abuse from another brother. And um, just life is just handing me one hand after another hand and fight this devil and fight that devil. And um, just, I, I just don't know how far, you know, God wants, I'm being pushed to the limits of survival and just, uh, I sometimes just struggle with, uh, that whole aspect that I won't put nothing more on you than what you're able to. And I just keep plugging along. Like somehow it's just never happened. And, um, the things that should have made me a psychopath and didn't, <laughs> and, um, I guess I'm better for that. But Jesus, uh, I know that Jesus has died for me and um, my sins you know they're not great but they're not few and they're, they're there and, um, I always keep my my mind and my spirit toward God and knowing yeah. that I, I, I just jump in so, well James, you know James the, the thing I was going to tell you is that we all go through things, all of us. In fact, I think it's interesting. We've been talking about the Jesus Revolution, and in it, it shows really uh, Greg Laurie's torrid upbringing. I mean, uh, um, a very, very, very crazy being raised. And then subsequently, a lot of the things that he went through. I think all of us can truly say that I don't think anybody has had just you know, never a trial problem in their life. Now, yeah, getting hit on a motorcycle, any any physical trauma like that is always so hard. But, you know, again, we all go through things, but these things aren't meant to destroy us by God. They're meant to bring us closer to him. You know, I think a lot of times the more uncomfortable I feel in this world, the more at home I'm going to be in heaven. Your thoughts? Yeah, James, uh, first of all, uh, so sorry to hear of all the grief that, you've experienced in life. That's, that's tough stuff. Um, just a couple of things. One, God won't give us more than we can handle, but sin will. And so will Satan. Both of those will give you more than you can handle. Satan's intent is to break us, to ruin us, destroy us. 
and uh, ultimately to carry us into a Christless eternity. So uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil will give you more than you can stand. God will never tempt you. He will test you. He's never involved in a temptation that comes your way to, to sin, never. But he will test your faith. And he tests your faith uh, so that when you emerge on the other side of the testing, your faith comes out like gold. It's the whole idea of purifying gold. When you when the goldsmith puts the gold into the oven, into the smelter, and the gold melts, all the impurities come to the top, and the goldsmith very skillfully uh, skims those impurities off the top. So the gold that went in is not the gold that comes out. The gold that comes out is is pure. It's purified, it's stronger, it's better, and it is of higher quality. And God does that with our faith. The promise is that no testing uh, has overtaken you except as, as common to man. But God is faithful. And that's what you need to know about God. God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you're able to, to bear but will, with the temptation, provide a way a way of escape that you may be able to handle it, to bear it. So God is faithful. And if you're ever going through something like, man, I just feel like more is on me than I can handle. You know, why is God doing this to me? If it's something that is truly destroying you or breaking you, that's not something that God brought. God wants to purify your faith. You may be looking at something the world, the flesh, or the devil, or sin has brought. Now, I would just encourage you to take this feeling of, man, life has dealt me a bad hand, and I don't know what to do, where to turn. I just feel like I'm at a breaking point. Give that to God, because Bible characters all through Scripture, you know, I think of Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. She was to the point where she just fell to the ground and was so full of grief that she couldn't even pray verbally. And Eli, the priest who was watching, thought she was drunk. She was acting so strangely. But this is how how badly she was in despair and discouraged. And yet God picked her up, gave her a an incredible son in the prophet Samuel, and uh, redeemed her life. But she gave her burden to God. And that's what I would encourage you to do, James. Give your burden to God. Because the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you and roll your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you and he'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalms 55, 22. So think about that and just know that God is always standing there on his throne, arms uh, outstretched, saying, give me what is breaking you and I will take it and I will grace you to get through this. Mike? Amen. I hope that helps, James, because, again, we all go through it. Can we pray for you? Yes, thank you. God bless you guys for carrying the message forth. Well, let's pray. Father, we just ask you to bless James, lift the burden. You know, you're the one that answers and supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So bless James. Restore him, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. James, stay on line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, Movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy it. Use them for evangelism. God bless you, and we'll be praying for you. Let's go to Kevin in California. Hi, welcome. 
Kevin, are you there? Hello, hi. I'm here. Hi. Hi, Kevin. How can we help? Hi. I had a question um, uh, regarding uh, Genesis 18. Uh, you know how Jehovah shows up to Abraham? Uh, but, but he shows yes. up in three person. And, and so Abraham runs to get three meals. So I just wanted some more explanation. Like, is, is that God in the three or? Most people believe that it's probably a theophany of Christ with perhaps a couple of angels. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do believe the scripture is pretty clear that uh, these were three three divine beings. Uh, two of them were angels, and one of them was a Christophany. Uh, and here's why. Because of one verse, verse 22, uh, first of all, they all three let Abraham know uh, we're going to go down to Sodom and see if the, the outcry that has come to us is as bad as we've been told. And um, so Abram, you know, oh my, well, my my nephew Lot is there. So he gets very concerned. And the Bible says that then the men in verse 22 of 18, the men, two of them, turned away from there and went down towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. So here scripture is uh, differentiating between two of the men and the Lord. And it's the Lord that Abraham begins to intercede with. And, you know, if there's 50 righteous, how about 40, 30, 20, 10, you know, and he, and he tries whittling God down. Uh, if there's even 10 righteous, um, will you spare the city? And the sad thing is there weren't even 10. But bottom line is, this clearly was a Christophany of some kind, because Scripture calls the third one the Lord. So that's what I believe happened, and you see this kind of thing all through the Old Testament. Um, Christophany appeared to um, um, all kinds of different people. I believe it was a Christophany appeared to the Hebrew children in the burning, fiery oven, uh, because it says the fourth one looked like the Son of God, the fourth man in the fire. Um, so that's what I think happened here, Kevin, and I uh, hope that helps, Mike. Yeah, amen. Hope that helps, Kevin. Yeah, that does. Um, can, can I ha- ask one more question? Yes. You, you know, also, um, you know how Jacob wrestled with God or, or an angel of God? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it God or was it an angel of God that he wrestled with? Again, many people believe this could be a Christophany of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, what is so amazing about that particular story is there a touch from God was not a healing touch, but a crippling touch when his hip went out of joint. The idea that people say, well, you know, uh, you just need to be touched by God. Hey, listen, if you look at the entirety of Scripture, sometimes God does things not to hurt us, but to remind us that, in fact, he is in control. What is your name? He said, heel catcher. From now on, you're going to be called Israel. You're going to be chosen of God. So when we look at that, we see uh, uh, how God does that. And just so that probably Jacob would never forget that it was, uh, oh, just not a, just a crazy dream. He lipped from that point forward. I could just see, um, uh, his family looking at him going, Oh, your hip, what's wrong? He goes, nothing. I'm Israel now. You know, I mean, God changed his life. Any last thoughts on that? 
Yeah, Jacob's issue his whole life had been self-sufficiency. Uh, he'd been the wheeler, the dealer, uh, the deal maker. Uh, he, he would, uh, he, you know, he, he terribly deceived Isaac, his father in cahoots with his mother. Uh, he, he, um, he was just, uh, he couldn't be trusted really. And, um, he, he kind of made things happen for himself his whole life. He depended on himself, on his own wits, his own ability to talk, uh, and whatnot. But now as he's headed back to meet Esau on the way, He's very afraid of what Esau may do to him. They've been separated for 20 years. And so now he's going to see the brother who, when he fled from uh, his hometown, uh, Esau had had decided to murder him, to kill him. And he thought he was going to be gone for a little while, but he ended up being gone 20 years. And now he's coming back and he's terrified. Esau hasn't forgotten his uh, decision to wreak vengeance on him. So he has this encounter with God. And God... Uh, I, I do believe it was a Christophany. Uh, Christ pulled his hip out of joint. So the rest of his life, he limped uh, as a physical sign of, I'm no longer self-sufficient. I, I'm, 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 I'm limping. I'm a limper. I can't, I, I'm no longer the one who makes everything happen for myself. God is going to be the one that goes before me from this moment forward. Uh, he's going to have to deal with Esau. He's going to have to fulfill his plan revealed to my grandfather, Abraham. So uh, I, I'm limping now for the rest of my life. So it's just a, a physical picture of a spiritual truth that all of us must learn to lean on God and not on ourselves. I can do all things, but it doesn't stop there. The positive confessor says, I can do all things, the Zig Ziglar types. But Paul said, no, I've got to add something to it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was admitting there, I limp. I can't make it happen on my own. I've got to lean on Christ. So I think that was the, the Old Testament is full of physical pictures that, that are spiritual truths for us in the new covenant. I think that's one of them. We don't make it day by day without the strength that Christ gives. We can't make it on our own self-sufficiency. Amen. Hope that helps, Kevin. Amen. Yeah, that does. Thank you. Thank you for that. If I can just say the, the I saw the Jesus Revolution movie, and I encourage everybody to watch. It's a really good movie. Amen. I thought it was excellent. Kevin, stay yeah. on. We'll send you out a couple of DVDs, a couple of booklets I think you'll really enjoy, and the movie Jesus. Uh, great for evangelism. Share them with your friends. Let's go to Stacy in Texas. Hi, and welcome. <laughs> Hi. Um, Hi. Nice to speak to you, gentlemen. Um, yes, mine's, mine's a long story, but I'm going to uh, shorten it, hopefully. <laughs> I have three grown children. I have a son and two daughters. And back when COVID first came out, and they were talking about the shot, and, you know, the media was trying to get us to go along with what they were trying to do. My son and I both were leery of the shot, and both my daughters got the shot. Well, since then, my son has basically ostracized his sisters because he felt like they fell under the media and the world's view versus our Christian view, which, um, you know, he's kind of being, um, I don't want to say a bully, but when they reach out to him and he's got two small kids and, of course, they want to be a part of their lives, 
he's like, don't text me, don't call me, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And uh, last time he did that, he texted me, and uh, I'm planning a trip to go see him. He lives out of state, and I was going to go see him in a couple of weeks, and he texted me, and um, he said, I see you're, I see you're siding with my sisters, and um, you don't, um, you don't see my side of it, and you think I'm ignorant, like they think I'm ignorant, and I think it's best that you don't come on this trip. That really hurt my feelings, and I didn't really say anything. I'm going to call him when I get home after work, but I just was calling, and I've been praying about this situation all day too. But uh, what's your advice on how to handle this? Well, it's just sad, dear. It's just sad. I mean, I mean, I don't think anything like this should ever divide a family up. I, I think it's a personal choice. If a person makes that choice, well, it is what it is. But that doesn't still make them any less of a brother or a sister. And this is unfortunate, especially when it comes to you or a mother, in that he says, well, change your trip. I don't want to see you. I think this is really tragic. And I don't, if this person is a Christian, I really don't understand um, there, you know, this kind of a violation of John chapter 12, where Jesus said, this commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You love people in spite of where they're at, what they've done, what shot they've gotten, where they've been. This is, this is what real love is. Love is unconditional. If it's only conditional love, I love you if you dot the I's, cross the T's, and do or don't get a, get a vaccination. That is that is not God's love. That that's a conditional love from the world, and it is really not true love. And you know, I I can tell you this: what we receive from God, we can give. And if you've not truly been unconditionally loved by God, I believe it's really hard to unconditionally love other people. And so um, there is a knowledge of God, but unfortunately, there then is the real encounter with God that changes our life. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Jesus, uh, talking to the Pharisees once, said, you know, guys, what you do is you strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. And what he was saying to them is you major on minors, you minor on majors. Uh, you make a big deal out of something that's minor uh, to the exclusion of something that's actually major. And in this case, uh, this man is uh, majoring on a minor. You, you, you know, I believe in that shot. Uh, you should get that shot. Since you don't agree with me, then I'm just not going to have anything to do with you. And what he's doing is he's swallowing the camel. He's ostracizing his family, which is far more important than the shot. Mike? Amen. Charlotte, uh, I mean, excuse me, Stacy. I hope that helps and answers it for you. All I can tell you is love and just explain to him, real love is unconditional the way God loves us. This is Dan Steiner, president of Preborn Ministries. 2022 is the best year ever for saving preborn babies in America. Your support of Preborn in 2022 allowed us together to reach over 111,000 women in our network clinics across the country. And over 53,000 of these women chose life for their babies through ultrasound. That's 53,000 babies saved last year, even better. Over 10,000 of these women prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. And in the process, Preborn has trained over 1,600 evangelist volunteers in our network clinics in America's top abortion cities. What you 
and preborn have done together is populating earth and heaven with babies who have lost their lives and women who now have eternal life. This is my personal thank you and my promise that together you and preborn will save even more lives and souls in 2023. God bless you. To learn more about the life saving work of preborn, call 855 668 BABY. That's 855 668 BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people my experience has been. MediShare has been Fantastic for me. Yeah. It's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. Yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, so, really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So, um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Yeah. Okay. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. Welcome you back to part two of Every Man Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Charlotte on the line, Payson, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, yes, my brother sent me a video on the rapture by John Piper, um, but mm-hmm. I found he really took a lot of verses out of context. And um, do you know anything about him? Well, he's a he's a Calvinist, a big five. T- he actually claims to be a seven point Calvinist. Yeah, it's a couple more onto the regular. Um, but um, uh, I do not agree with his theology. I believe that what the Bible says is true. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. God called everybody, but not everybody calls on God. And just because God knows ultimately who will pick him, who will not pick him, who will choose him and not choose him, does not stop the freedom for every person on this earth to make the choices that they make. And the thought of God saying, well, this person was put on earth, he can never receive the Lord. This is some kind of a weird God I've never heard of. Because we're supposed to preach the gospel according to the Great Commission that Jesus gave. Now, I know Jesus isn't much of an authority in the church anymore, unfortunately. But he said to go preach the gospel to every creature. He did not say to the predestinated ones. And this is one of the great problems that I find with the whole Reformation ideas and Piper and these others, uh, MacArthur and these other guys, they they believe that they're you know if 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 you were put on this earth uh, and you were one of the cursed ones there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, what kind of a monster God do they serve? My God says, "Whosoever will may come." Not them. Read Revelation chapter twenty two. The Spirit, the Bride say, "Come." Anyone who thirsts, come. 
But no, what do they say? No, you can't come. No, unless you were predestined, you can't go. He even goes so far to say they were predestined to go to hell. Well, then there are those that are predestined to go to heaven. Really? Well, my Bible says it's an open ticket. What do you say? Yeah, um, well, I know that Charlotte, uh, Pastor John Piper does not believe in the rapture. He doesn't. He believes that there's not two events, but there's one, and it's the second coming of Christ. And uh, that's what he teaches. And he was raised in a, in a home that did teach the rapture, but he claims that as he you know grew up and got into the Bible himself, began to study it, he decided that it didn't teach two separate events, but only one, and that is the uh, the return of Christ and the second coming to stop the war of Armageddon. And he, so he believes that the catching up of the saints uh, and then Christ coming down with those saints are one and the same event. And, you know, different people land uh, in different places with uh, this particular topic. Uh, I cannot find any way to reconcile it being one event because the rapture and the second coming have so many differences. The the, the rapture is in secret. The second coming, the whole world sees him. Uh, The rapture uh, happens in the midnight hour and uh, nobody sees him. The second coming, the world sees him. Uh, the rapture, Jesus comes down, or rather uh, it takes us up. In the second coming, we come down. Uh, there, there's so many differences. As a matter of fact, if you just Google it, difference between rapture and second coming, there's a lot of good pieces out there, a lot of good writings that'll just list. Uh, there's like, 10 major differences between the rapture and the second coming. So, you know, John is a, you know, a very studied man. I don't know him. Um, he is a theologian, but that doesn't mean he's right about everything. And uh, so we differ with him on this. And so, you know, as I say to some people, when you're listening to theologians who are not heretical, but they differ on some fairly major uh, doctrinal points, you chew the meat and spit out the bones. And if I listen to John Piper on something else, I might say, well, that's that's a really good teaching. But when it comes to the rapture or his Calvinism, I have to say, I have to say I can't go with it. And so uh, I hope that helps, Charlotte, but don't let him make you stumble uh, because just because he's learned, there's a lot of learned people uh, who are wrong. I'm not right. I, I like to think I'm right about everything, but um, probably not, but I try to stay as close to the clear teaching of the Word of God as I possibly can. And in doing that, I can't come to the conclusion that uh, John Piper has come to with the rapture, Mike. Or on Calvinism, or on everything Or on Calvinism. Uh, yeah. Again, the problem with Calvinism is it's not Christianity. It'd be Christianity. You don't have to say, well, I'm a Calvinist. No, you're identifying with a man I want to identify with Christ. And there's a big problem with that. Yeah. And I'm so, not Arminian. Huh? I'm yeah. Well, Arminian. Yeah. We don't say, well, I'm Arminian. No, I, I just identify what Jesus said. God so loved the world. That's everyone. Whosoever believes in him. Boy, that sure blows the wheels off of uh, the Calvinistic ideas. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Preach the gospel to every creature. See, and what I find 
is usually when the spirit of error is working, it works in many other areas as well. That's why Mm -hmm. in the cults, you'll find they're not just off on who Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is. They're goofed up on eternity. They're goofed up on what hell is or what heaven is or what sin is. Or who Christ is. What's that? Or who Christ is. Or who Christ is. Sure. Well, he's Lucifer's brother. He's he's uh, Michael the Archangel. He's one of the greats. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, you know. Um, uh, I'm Jesus. You're Jesus. We're all Jesus. You know, I mean, when you get into these these abnormal teachings, uh, it, it really creates issues and just because a person claims to be educated doesn't mean anything. The Pharisees, the Sadducees were the most educated people of the day. And look how wrong they were when it came to Jesus Christ. So, Charlotte, I hope that helps. Uh, yes, I agree with you, too, completely. Um, I also read that he spoke something about Christian um, henneism or... Hedonism. Hedonism. Yeah. What exactly is that? Okay. I don't know Piper's, uh, surely he's making some kind of a theological point or taking a particular angle on using the word hedonism, because we know that what it is is somebody that lives for pleasure. That's a hedonist. And if you're a hedonist, you practice hedonism. But since he wove it into something theological, I would probably need to look that up because my guess is that's what he did. Maybe, perhaps, I know that he is, for instance, death on the word faith movement. Uh, those that say God wants everybody rich. Um, you know, you ought to have a few new cars and a great big mansion and be rolling in money, and that's God's will for every believer. I've heard him come out fiery against that. Now, if that's what he's talking about, it could be. Uh, so he's saying that that flavor of Christianity is hedonistic in that it angles you towards living for the pleasures of this world. You know, your best life now, Joel Osteen's uh, book title, which I have always so disagreed with, because if this is my best life now, Jesus, please beam me up. Um, so uh, it, it could be he took that angle, Charlotte, and uh, he was talking about the word faith teaching I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. But that's a, that's just a an educated guess because I have heard him really rail against that teaching. Yeah, and I I I, I couldn't comment on that either. But uh, to me, the the Calvinistic ideas and the idea of no rapture uh, when when um, Jesus Himself see you, you got some real problems uh, versus second coming versus the rapture. The Bible clearly tells us when the rapture is. It's it's uh, uh, three and a half years after the abomination, which makes desolate mentioned in Revelation. So we know when that is. The rapture, however, we don't know when that is. Uh, and, and so th- these are the problems that I, that I see. Uh, when you see, as Jesus said, as in the days of Noah were, Matthew chapter 24, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage as the days of Noah were. Um, that is not the picture that you find at the second coming, when mere survival is all man's going to have. Every living thing in the sea has died. The trees are all burnt up. Everything is a—in fact, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, unless those days were shortened, there'd be no flesh saved. 
that certainly cannot be talking about Matthew 24, where it was in the days of Noah. It was party time. And right after the party, hey, there is a global judgment called the flood. Right after the party time here, we find another global judgment called the tribulation period. So uh, I I think the, the picture that Jesus gives there concerning the rapture is very clear. Um, but anyone that tries to homogenize uh, the second coming in with the rapture, you've got to blatantly bulldoze over obvious things that the Bible says, and I have real trouble with with that kind of thing. Charlotte, I hope that helps, dear. Thank you. God bless you guys. Blessings to you, Charlotte, and uh, stay in line. We'll send you out something I hope you'll really like. Uh, so we'll send you out a couple of books, DVD of Jesus, uh, uh, the DVDs, and well as the uh, books. Stay online. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Rudy, San Jose, California. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, Rudy. How may we help? Yeah, it's a quick question. Um, the TBN network. I watch it a lot, but there's some <laughs> there's some guests on there that I kind of question. So I just wanted to know, um, what do you guys think about it today? like the Creflo dollars be on there, but then I also see like Greg Laurie be coming on there. So I love the channel, but sometimes I'm just questionable about some of their guests. I just want to know your opinion. Yeah. yeah I punched the wall too. Your thoughts on that, Jeff? I'm probably going to get in a little bit of trouble here, but in all transparency, just coming clean. I probably haven't watched TBN in 25 years. Um, now, uh, that's not to say there's nothing worth watching on it. I think when I walked was when I saw the um, the fundraising. And it wasn't that you're raising funds, but I, some of the, the fundraisers, uh, you know, giving these promises. If you send in, you know, your $100 check, your runaway child is coming home, um, or your, your, your spouse that has left you is going to return, or... That affliction in your body is going to be healed. And, you know, after a while, it just, I just felt like that's not true. I even actually knew some people. I knew one lady who, uh, heard the promise. If you send in your, your check, uh, your, your husband who has left you is going to come home. We have to stop and think when that promise goes out, it goes out to hundreds of thousands of people, uh, all kinds of people. And, um, so is, is that going to be true for all of them? But it, it is said that way. And this lady who I knew sent in her check. Well, her husband did not return. As, as a matter of fact, he ended up, uh, marrying a much younger woman. And this lady walked away from Christ, walked away from the church. She felt very, very extremely let down and like uh, she had been lied to. I just think for me, it was those kinds of things of uh, the, the pro send in $10 and you're going to get a hundred, send in a hundred, you're going to get a thousand. Um, I just felt like it didn't ring true. And, uh, I wondered uh, what about those making this, this prophecy or prediction? Are they emptying out their bank account to, cause that's pretty good investment. If you send 10, you're going to get a hundred back. Well, if I really believe that, I'm going to empty my bank account. And of course, to me, it just came over 
as um, disingenuous and really kind of gimmicky and and not fair uh, because you know you have so many little old ladies out there with their social security checks uh, giving uh, what little bit they have based on the promises they hear and yet uh, it doesn't come to pass uh, so many times so that bothered me so I kind of checked out but having said that uh, again, I'm not saying there's not people worth watching. Uh, I certainly think Greg Laurie is worth watching. Uh, I believe that, uh, for instance, David Jeremiah is on uh, TBN. I think he's worth watching. But there's a lot of folks on there that that do that kind of fundraising. And I just feel like um, it hurts people and it, more than it helps. I may get in a lot of trouble for saying this, Mike. <laughs> so... Uh, but I, I got to be honest. I don't know your thoughts, but those are mine. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and I think you just have to be real careful. It appears that uh, they don't scrutinize doctrine very closely, what they let on and what they don't. So you will find, um, uh, I think, you know, Greg Laurie's, and then you'll find the uh, Twilight Zoners out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And you just have to be careful. Um, and so, Rudy, I hope that helps. Thank you. Um, just one more quick thing. <laughs> just one more quick question. It'll be real fast. Hello? Sure. Oh, yeah, it's, um, every time someone says like, oh, the OMG or the GDs, if I'm hearing that all, like, am I supposed to always like confront that person all the time? Or even if it's from a far away or, or is that just their fault for, for saying things like that in vain? I just want to get your opinion. It, it, it causes the fur to raise on my neck when I hear OMG. Uh, and, um, um, you know, if I hear, um, my kids or, or their friends use that phraseology, I'll correct them. I don't just let that go by because, um, using the name of the Lord in vain is using the name of the Lord in vain, period. And I think we have to and should have that great respect for our God, um, uh, in all things that we do. Rudy, hope that helps. Yeah, I I respect it too. It's just like people I don't even know. I'm out in public and they'll say it, and yeah, I cringe. I don't know what I'm supposed to do if I'm if I'm just supposed to ignore them because that's their that's their idiot. It is. You know what I used to do? I, I I worked in a shop. People used to cuss all the time, and and I every once in a while somebody would say Jesus Christ, and I go, Hey, brother, preach it, man. He's the only way of yeah. salvation. They never did that again. Never did it again. Isn't it interesting, Mike? Isn't it interesting? Because you thought, where does something like that spring from? Because you'll have people use, you know, the JC thing when they're angry and and they have nothing to do with Christianity. So why do they choose that? You don't see anybody saying Muhammad or Buddha in, you know, in anger. Yeah. No, they, they, they default to using Christ. Why? Why is it Christ? I think that's worth considering that. It, it might just be the devil setting your tongue on fire when you use the name of Christ in vain, because you don't do that when you're angry with Muhammad or Buddha or any other personage like that, but we default to the name of Christ. Why would that be? I think it's worth considering. Well, it's a good question to ask them. Just say, I got a question for you. I know, know she just said, oh, God or Jesus or whatever. Um, why did you pick God's name instead of instead of uh, something else? Allah. Yeah, it's always good to ask them. 
Um, so Rudy, uh, I did, and um, uh, you can get some traction that way sometimes. Hope that helps. All right. Thank you. Stay in line if you like. Send you out books, DVDs, great for evangelism. Let's go to Lee, Montana. Hi, welcome. Hey, how's it going? I don't have a whole Tell lot of time, have... so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, I have a situation that is very complicated, and I just was looking for some maybe some biblical advice on that. I have a woman I've been married to for over a century, um, or a decade, whatever, a decade? 10 years. But, yeah, a decade. And uh, she's got a couple kids that she lost in the custody battle um, whenever they were younger. And I've seen her struggle for a few years, quite a few years, because she chose me over them and her ex-husband got them. And anyway, I finally said she needed to go be with her kids because that's what she wanted to do. So currently we're still married. She lives in another state with her ex-husband because he he was not taking care of the kids like he should be. She's been back there for a few years now. And she's one of those people that keeps a score, says I have to do 10 right things for everything I've done wrong. And every time we get into it, she has this laundry list of things I've done and said. And, and I'm like, that's not the way God is. And anyway, we get into it, but... I still support her financially. We haven't seen each well, other Lee, in a couple of years. Let me ask a question real quick. Let me ask a real quick question here. So your wife is living with her ex-husband watching their kids? Correct. And they are not little anymore. They're getting older now. But she's over there, you know, taking care of the kids. And that's all she does. She doesn't work. She just takes care of the kids because... I mean, her ex-husband. And, and, and you're wondering if this is grounds for a divorce? Well, I got into a situation yesterday. I'm looking at buying a new vehicle. She basically came on court, said, if you buy that new truck, then we're getting divorced. And I'm like, I need a tax write-off. I don't understand. And then she says, I'm only getting the truck because I'm. But she's living divorced. with her. Your wife is Correct. living with her ex-husband. Correct. Yeah, the father of the boy. I, I think this one's pretty clear, Jeff. Yeah, I. To me, Lee, this is undoable. This is not something God would call you to. And if she were truly walking with Christ at all, she would never do this, because she has separated from you, moved in with an ex-husband. I'm sorry. Color me skeptical. I have a hard time believing it would be platonic. So, um. No, I. to me, she has given up all authority to tell you what you can buy or not buy. And the fact that she's letting you support her from another state while she lives with her ex-husband, this is thoroughly unbiblical. And again, not something that the Lord would ever ask you to agree to. So I think you have a real decision to make. Um, this has got to be torturous for you. I can't imagine going to bed every night, going to sleep, uh, thinking that my wife was in another state in a house with an ex-husband. Uh, no, uh, that's, um, that she that's had just, kids with that. She had yeah, kids with. It's just, yeah, it's just uh, untenable. You know, uh, this is, this is a terrible arrangement. And, uh, if I were you, well, I don't know if I were you, I would have ended it by now. I do think, uh, 
Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, if the unbeliever wants to depart, let them depart. You You are not in bondage in such cases. And to me, for her to depart like this and go move in with an ex, scream. And live off of you. And live living yeah, off of him. Yeah. The best of both How worlds. How old are I these mean, kids, can... real quick? Uh, above teenager age. So, but they. What do you mean? Like. They're, menta- they're mentally like 10 year olds. I mean, they they were really traumatized. It's, it's like, say, it's a very complicated thing. Whenever her ex husband won custody. He came out here and yanked them out of the house with the sheriff. Like, I don't know who does that to their own kids. She was supposed to take them back to where he lives. He wasn't having it. He showed up out here with the sheriff and basically yanked them out right out from her clutches. I mean, it was it was a horrendous thing. But well, she's but but see, it doesn't matter, Lee, about that. She's making her decisions now. She's living off of you. Supporting a lifestyle the Bible says is wrong. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, just the very Thoroughly appearance wrong. of it is wrong. Yeah, totally wrong. Um, and um, I, I, I don't think there's any question here, mm. Jeff. Any last thoughts? No, I, I think Lee, you're, you're looking at legitimately going your own way. Um, you know, I know you love the, the children, of course, but biblically, your wife should have stuck with you uh, and then trusted God to work all this out with time because she's called to you uh, first. And um, to me, if she had, if she had honored divine order, stayed with her husband, um, then she would have been trusting the sovereignty of God, the power of God to work this out, but leaving you high and dry, taking your money uh, moving in with an ex. No, no, no. That's an unbeliever would do that, but not somebody walking with Christ. I'm not a marriage counselor. Don't pretend to be, but I do know the Bible, what it says about something like this. I think you ought to look at giving an ultimatum and um, taking some steps to set yourself free. You have one life and you have not been treated biblically, uh, fairly in love, nothing. So that's what I would look at doing, bringing this thing to a head and saying, look, you're with me or we need to call it a day. Yeah, uh, you can't serve, too. And uh, certainly uh, you got an issue here. But, Lee, that is not that God does not expect you to stay with this woman. And uh, especially when she's living with another man at this moment. Absolutely not. So, Lee, I, I hope that. Uh, Gives you some encouragement there. Well, I appreciate it. It's been, like I say, it's been going on for a couple of years now, and it's you know she says my priorities are not right because I didn't leave my life here. You know, I have a- well, narcissists are always that way. They blame everybody else for their problems. They never say they're sorry. It's always everybody else. Um, no, I, I'm sorry. I I uh, personally I couldn't get out of that fast enough. So that's that. Please. I think Mike. That's why he said at the beginning. He'd been married to her a century. That's what it feels like. (laughs) 
We're all out of time. Randy, Dennis, Rusty, calls. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting. League, stay on the line. We'll send you out books and DVDs. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 